0: Key Aero, your aviation destination.
1: Military aviation. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Air Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Thomas, and coming right up, we're going to be focusing on all the news and developments learned during Airbus's recent trade media day, from insight on fighters and transports to unmanned systems and the latest insight on space. Joining me this week is Key Publishing's Modern Military Group Editor at Large, Alan Warns, who is, as we all know, a key architect what we all read in the outstanding Air Force's monthly and combat aircraft journal magazines, who will share some of his insights from the briefings, and will also be bringing you an exclusive interview recorded during a recent visit to Airbus in Spain to learn more of the Spanish Air Force's Eurofighter upgrade and acquisition aspirations. No time like the present. Let's get to it. So, morning, Alan, or hello, Alan, I should say. Um, we have a couple of briefings on Airbus's activities in the space domain first, which sort of touched a little bit on the UK Skynet 6 SATCOM program. You can read more about that, incidentally, in January's issue of Air International. But I think one of the most interesting things, not necessarily news per se, but it was a little comment from Andreas Lindenthal, who is head of systems business at Airbus. He was asked about Russia's recent um, anti-satellite test, which of course was a a kinetic effector and it impacted and destroyed an old Russian military communications satellite. So Mr. Lindenthal said that this test he, he described as being not very sophisticated, adding that he did not know what motivated such an action. An action, of course, that resulted 1,500 pieces of debris that have been spotted or recorded being added to a specific low earth orbit. And of course, there are concerns that this new cloud of debris could render certain low earth orbits as effectively being out of bounds. Due to the threats posed by the debris traveling at you know many many thousands of miles per hour as it orbits around the Earth, and also interesting, you said that that you know not necessarily that this will create, but actions like this make it an even greater likelihood that something called the Kessler effect will happen, which is an unstoppable, cascading series of collisions that will render much of or all of various uh, Earth orbits as being out of bounds to sort of international military and communication satellites. So it's a very interesting forthright comments from someone well-placed in European industries, you know, a, a company that's got such interest in the space domains, to be able to comment so explicitly and condemn so explicitly the actions by uh, Russia. He sh- Actually, I should jump in, Alan. He did say that he thought that the Russian people, society, let's say, would probably view this action in the same way that he viewed it, as in with a degree of sadness, as in this was an act of an administration we could purport to say that doesn't represent Russian society as a whole. But nevertheless, obviously, he raised the concerns that 1,500 pieces of debris whirling around the Earth is probably not a good thing to have. So that was an interesting point, I think, to uh, to, yeah. to to come from the space side of things. Yeah,
2: sounds like
1: it. Good old Russian. I jumped into a briefing on the Euro drone, which is, of course, a male, a medium-altitude, long-endurance, remote-piloted or uncrewed air system being developed by a quad of European countries, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And obviously, one of the program engineers was uh, delivering a briefing, as they do during the trade media days. Um, And they said that uh, France, Germany, and Italy are all apparently uh, ready to move ahead on the Eurodrone contract, which of course hasn't been signed. They're waiting on Spain, uh, saying that the process will move through the European OCAR organization. But obviously, Waiting on Spain, it wasn't necessarily, you know, they weren't saying that negatively. It was a case of that parliamentary procedures have to be followed, don't they? When you've got these multinational programs, particularly uh, with countries with such well-developed and thorough administrations that, you know, they need to be able to take their time to make sure the contract is what they want it to be. So th- that makes sense. But anyway, so the, the three of the four parties seemingly are, are, are ready to move ahead. They're just waiting on Spain to figuratively dot the I's and cross the T's before a contract is signed.
2: thing, I... I wonder where they're going to base these Euro drones when they're eventually in service. So we haven't heard much about that.
1: No, indeed. And this is a program I have to confess I don't know too much about. I couldn't tell you where they would be based from. I can give you a couple of figures as to the you know rough timelines for the program moving forward. And also a number of commitments for aircraft so far. So roughly speaking, 18 months after contract signing i think the intimation was that or the idea was that a contract could be signed within the next six months anyway so 18 months after that contract is signing the program would in theory enter a preliminary design review phase before obviously if it passes that going on to a, a critical design review phase from contract signing to first flight is supposed to take or expect hope to take 62 months so wow, wow let's do the math that's five years
2: mm-hmm. um
1: so yeah this is a program for the here and now, but it's also a program that we're going to be talking about over the next few several years. And also our listeners will be listening about for the next several years as well. Our commitment so far is for 60 aircraft, which was described as being 20 systems. So each system is comprised of two ground control stations and three aircraft. So 60 Euro drones in total from among the existing partner nations and the claim from airbus was that this aircraft which has two propeller engines will be able to travel farther and for longer than existing rivals and you're effectively looking at systems you know that are produced like the rq um, oh i'll get my designation wrong. that the mq9 isn't it yeah um, you're looking at systems produced by general atomics in, in yeah. the, the u.s and some others so Yeah. Claims from Airbus that this this is a very capable platform, you know, looking at the facts and figures, it looks like a a very capable platform, but we're also looking at a very long time before it will (laughs) be flying. So that that was an interesting uh, briefing, I thought, from from the Eurodrone. Seems to have
2: gone on a long while, the uh, Eurodrone. It has.
1: And I want to say that I had heard about it maybe three or four years ago. And obviously, Mm. if it's another five years before it gets to first flight, and you know, we know it, don't we? We all cover the aerospace domain. The, these programs take a long time to go yeah. from drawing board to eventually flying to eventually being fielded by whichever air force or operator yes. wants to use them. But yeah, you know, claiming that, that it'll be a rival for, for existing platforms you know, is one thing to do, but it still needs five years more worth, at least five more years of development before it can actually start flying. And then perhaps it can start claiming it can fly farther and longer than competitors, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Okay. Uh, enough from me. Plenty from me. Thank you very much. I will be quiet now. Uh, over to your side, Alan, you jumped in on a number of different briefings during that trade media day. Really interesting, actually. And a great platform, i got to say, by Airbus to allow all the trade media, such as we are, to learn a little bit more about the programs and ask questions of people that can potentially give us answers. So from your side, you've got a range of insight on fixed wing, I think. So take it away.
2: Yeah, yeah. The trade media briefs are uh, digital ones, uh, virtual ones because of COVID up. I have i quite innovative by Airbus. Not many other companies are doing it, yeah, and this is the second one they've done because normally they invite the media down to uh, Spain or Germany to have a, have a look around and get two days of briefings, but they managed to fit them all in, in one day. And, uh, yeah, so there was. A, it's been quite an exciting few months for Airbus. In September, the Indian Air Force finally agreed to buy the 56 C295W's uh, medium airlifters it's been threatened to do for the past few years. I've been reporting on that for a long time, and it's good to see that they finally, Airbus finally made the breakthrough. And there have been other C-295 orders recently, but Airbus has been keeping quiet about many of them. Although if you see the January issue of Air Force Monthly, which went to press on Wednesday, you'll note that there's a picture of a Burkina Faso Air Force C-295W taken at civilian November. There was an announcement by Airbus on September the 1st that Kazakhstan had also Going to buy two A400Ms and Dubai. Airbus announced Indonesia will buy two with options for a further four. It would start to indicate, well, it would indicate there's some light in the tunnel. A400Ms trouble tunnel, might I add, because since 2016, 2017, sixteen, twenty seventeen, they've had a fair few issues with the A four hundred M.
1: Can I, what, what issues are we talking about here? Because I, I, that that rings a bell to me, but I haven't got the specifics in my in my mind. What, what are we What are we looking at? What sort of issues has Well, it there was
2: the first. There was the uh, the crash of the, the Turkish Air Force example at Seville, which sadly uh, took the lives as well of the uh, air crew on board, and from that there were several things discovered. I don't necessarily mean that they caused the crash, but they came out of the crash. And one of them was a gearbox issue. And since then, there's been other issues uh, like air-to-air refuelling with helicopters, but they've managed to do that now. And still, a lot of the Air Force are saying that they're not getting the availability rates that they want. I noticed the German Air Force tweeted something uh, a couple of weeks ago on this. and But Airbus don't deny that. They're, and they're trying to bring all the aircraft up to the same standard and they'll say that they will eventually get round this. And I hope they do. The A400 is a is a great aircraft. I think it will, uh, once the C-130Js have uh, been retired from the RAF and the A400 takes on its role, it will uh, prove how valuable it is.
1: I mean, I mean, the UK is really hanging its hat on the capabilities that the A400M can, can provide, isn't it? It's good yeah, offset yeah. the loss of the, the C-130s. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, the the C-130s are being used as special forces, so everything that the uh, special forces are doing with the C-130Js has to be transferred across to the a 400 M's, and I believe that a lot of that work is ongoing now. So, uh, yeah. And on on the A330MRTT side, the multi-role tanker transport aircraft, at Dubai, which I was at as well, uh, UAE announced that it was going to buy two more of these, pushing its inventory up to five. It also mentioned it was going to subsequently upgrade them all to the same standard, and I guess it could mean all the aircraft will eventually house the automatic air-to-air refuelling system, which is set to be certified in the coming months. I had a look at the system in Gaddafi in late October, and I'd say very impressive. To refuel an aircraft automatically is it, pretty impressive. You know, all the movements that are going on in the turbulence in the air and it still managed to do it. And uh, they're the only people that are doing it. The Boeing hasn't got anywhere with it on the KC-46.
1: So, uh, yeah, they're
2: leading the way on that one. And Singapore are involved as well. So, Interesting.
1: And isn't the, the the MRTT being put forward for the US LMX, LMXT offering? Yes. It
2: is. Yeah, Lockheed Martin and Airbus are working together on that, although Lockheed Martin are taking the lead, and that will be, <laughs> for a tendering for a competition which would see the first aircraft being delivered in the late 2020s. Interesting. Augment the current KC-46s if they selected the A330 mrt Yeah, and then there was some discussion on Eurofighter as well, and it was very interesting to hear that uh, the German Air Force Eurofighter had been working with two Airbus's remote carriers and this is all part of the testing, the man unmanned teaming elements of Europe's future combat air system. But one of the things that is interesting to me is Project Halcon. This is the program where the Spanish Air Force buy 20 new Eurofighters, and it, what should be signed by the end of the year. But when I was in the, with Airbus in Madrid a few weeks back, it became evident to me there's a bit of nervousness about this. Uh, Airbus want the contract signed by the end of the year, but that's not looking likely now. The problem is this acquisition is linked with the German Air Force Quadriga procurement of 38 aircraft. Both Air Force will benefit from the of scale of a joint purchase, but if Spain doesn't sign this, the contract soon, the Germans will have to go alone, which in, could increase the cost by up to 20%. So, and if Spain decides at a later date to replace its older Hornets with these aircraft, uh, currently based in Gando, the Canary Islands, so we'll have to see also see a price hike. So you can understand the uh, predicament that uh, both the Germans and the Spanish find themselves in. And I spoke to uh, Roel uh, Tenner while I was in Madrid, the sales manager of combat aircraft, Airbus Defence and Space, and he talked to me about not just Project Halcom, but also the uh, aircraft that Trunch 1s are being upgraded.
1: That's an interesting one. So we've got we've got uh, Germany waiting on Spain for decisions or yeah, commitments on two programs: Eurodrone and uh, yeah. Eurofighter as well. That's an interesting position for uh, Madrid to find itself in. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I have to say that a lot of stuff going on in Airbus at the moment is, is the most exciting stuff is going on in Spain. <laughs> oh, Spain seems, Spain seems to be the place at the moment for Airbus.
1: Well, fortunately enough, you were able to find yourself there, as you said, a few weeks back. That's a perfect cue. Um, Alan, thanks, as always, for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Let's cut now to the early recorded interview with yourself and Airbus from Spain.
2: Alan Warnes here, the uh, group editor at Large Combat Aircraft, Air Forces Monthly. And I'm talking to Raul Tenner, the sales manager Combat Aircraft, about uh, the current work that uh, Airbus are doing on the uh, Eurofighters. So, nice to talk to you, Raúl. Could you tell me, you're uh, upgrading 17 uh, Trans 1s. Could you tell us a little bit about what that upgrade covers? Hello,
0: Alan. My pleasure uh, being here with you. The Trans 1 retrofit is a process uh, contract that we have for the Spanish customer, which consists on the upgrade of the previous, let's say, the first uh, Eurofighter aircraft of the Spanish Air Force that we delivered, the first Eurofighters. As you know, the Spanish Air Force has currently three different tranches. They have the tranche 1, they have the tranche 2, and they have the tranche 3, which means that uh, the subsequent aircraft, they are having more capabilities uh, as far as the program keeps on evolving and integrating more capabilities to the Eurofighter aircraft. So um, with this process, the tranche 1, uh, which are the legacy aircraft, the, the initial, the original aircraft, Uh, What we are doing here in Getafe is upgrading them so that they are closer to the TRANS2 and TRANS3 standard and therefore with the similar capabilities that this more modern and more capable Eurofighter they have for the Spanish Force. For example, it includes uh, equipment and systems like the computer symbol generator, digital video and voice recorder, laser designator pod uh, or maintenance data panel which means that uh, this upgrade is focused on improving different aspects of the aircraft, uh, operational aspects and also maintenance aspects. So this is what we are currently undergoing here. Uh, we started with the deliveries, uh, the first retrofitted aircraft in 2019. We are continuing the work and now we have already delivered three aircraft uh, retrofitted to the Spanish customer. Currently, we have five more aircraft in the final assembly line where the retrofit work is happening. And uh, we are expecting uh, to finish this retrofit by the end of 2023. So that means that uh, our maximum capacity is around four or five retrofit aircraft deliveries per year.
2: So by by 2023, you expect to have delivered all 17 of them? Yes, this is the goal. Okay, and I, and I guess they're going to uh, the training or the units at uh, Moron de la Frontera near Seville.
0: Yes, the trans ones uh, are currently based in uh, Moron, in, uh, next to Seville, uh, the 11th wing. And uh, these are the aircraft that are being retrofitted. So once they are uh, retrofitted, yeah. they will go again back to, to the original
2: airbase, to Moron. It's great that you found a use for the bonds because in the UK, we're uh, we're what we call reclaiming them. In other words, uh, we're scrapping them really for spare parts. So well done to Spanish Air Force and to Airbus for finding a new lease of life for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, you have uh, Halcon as well, Project Halcon, which you are hoping to sign a deal for by the end of the year.
0: Well, our uh, goal obviously is here uh, to to serve the customer, so uh, we are ready uh, as soon as the the customer is is ready. The Spanish Air Force uh, combat fleet uh, consists mainly on two types of aircraft. There is the Eurofighter, but there is also the F-18. These F-18 aircraft, they are operating in three different bases, one in Zaragoza, another one in Torrejón, which is very close to the airport yeah. here, and then uh, Gando Air Base, which is in the Canary Island. These aircraft, they are uh, the oldest, and uh, when they were acquired almost 40 years ago, uh, also secondhand. So uh, given also the uh, difficult or harsh environment uh, in which they have to operate, Uh, Clearly, uh, they are aging and coming to the life uh, that uh, that they have remaining. So, they will need a replacement uh, soon, maximum, uh, let's say, 2025. And this is where uh, we think the Eurofighter uh, can substitute uh, this this aircraft. So, we are working with the customer uh, in order to uh, provide them with this uh, 20 aircraft. Uh, and uh, as, we, as I said, we are ready for offering this and implementing this uh, as soon as uh, they are ready.
2: And what will the upgrade of these aircraft include?
0: Well, um, these uh, would be new Eurofighter
2: aircraft. No? so uh, Sorry, yes, of course. New, they're new, new aircraft. Yeah. And what does the, the new aircraft include, systems yeah. on board?
0: Yeah, uh, well, it will be the latest uh, standard that, okay. that the aircraft has. From the very beginning of the program to now, uh, the program has kept on including more and more air-to-air, but especially air-to-surface capabilities. Uh, So, beyond visual range capabilities, also additional uh, missiles, additional armament uh, is incorporated. And obviously, uh, well, depending when HALCON happens, yeah. um, as the program keeps on, on developing and progressing, we might be in a position uh, to offer the latest standard to the Spanish customer. So uh, this is uh, what is on the table today.
2: And that includes the AESA radar as well, the uh, Mark One. Well, the
0: scan radar is uh, currently in development. This is uh, a program that Spain um, well, joined also with the rest of the nations. As you know, there are different variants depending on the operational requirements of each customer. And in this case, uh, there was a contract for 115 e-scan radars. It was a joint uh, contract from uh, Germany and Spain, of which, uh, for the time being, five belong to Spain so uh, well this is uh, uh, the the ESCAN radar program and then um, for the configuration of Halcon uh, allow me not to disclose uh, too many details uh,
2: for the time being no but it will increase the uh the aircraft's capabilities quite a lot, providing capability of carrying new weapons as you as you suggested to as well there.
0: Absolutely. Being the latest standard, uh, the
2: customer uh,
0: will get the latest tool and the latest capabilities. So that is clear. And then compared to the F-18, uh, the aging uh, aircraft that they have in the Canary Island, yeah. it will be a brand new aircraft with uh, all the life uh, in
2: front, and uh, it will be the perfect tool uh, to to accomplish the mission in that region. Great. So that when will the delivery start? 2024, if all goes well. 2025. Well, uh, we know that the F18 uh, replacement needs to happen around
0: 2025. Okay. And uh, obviously, uh, as soon as the contract uh, would be signed, then uh, we could start working on on those aircraft or producing these aircraft. And uh, taking into account that uh, it takes around four years from the very first part until the delivery of the aircraft uh, and uh, going to to the base with it to start the operation, then uh, to to be on time for 2025, clearly the the time is uh, is now.
2: Yeah, and I guess by 2025 you'll be marketing more Eurofighters to the Spanish Air Force to replace the other 52 Hornets which are currently serving.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, This is our our aim, our goal. Uh, We think that we have uh, not only the the most capable uh, aircraft suitable to the Spanish requirements, but also uh, we we have to remind that uh, this is a program with uh, a lot of industrial involvement, a lot of return on investment, um, a lot of employment generation in the country. And therefore, when we look at the different angles, uh, we believe uh, it is really the uh, solution also for the future. When these uh, additional 52 F-18 that are currently operating in the peninsula uh, in Spain will need to to be phased out um, in a few years' time. So uh, we hope the Eurofighter is
2: well positioned there. Which means, if of course, if you were to replace them Hornets, which were delivered, as you say, 30 to 40 years ago, we could see 150 Eurofighters operating in Spain by then, if that was to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the uh, current fleet of combat is uh, 140 aircraft uh, here in Spain, uh, both with the Eurofighter and the F-18. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, obviously
2: our, our desire or target. Great, and despite the fact that... You You do 14% share of work share, don't you, I think, of Europe? (laughs) uh, Yes, 14 You could end up being one of the biggest operators of uh, Eurofighters if you would eventually sell more to replace the hornets.
0: It would be a pleasure. Uh, What is clear is that, uh, obviously, uh, this program is uh, also giving a lot of benefit, industrial and social and economical benefit. Uh, We are maximizing this uh, 14% and also because of the setup of the program, the most successful it is, uh, the most return to the nations is coming back. So uh, obviously it would be a pleasure, but also it would be extremely convenient in terms of uh, industrial knowledge, of technologies, of workload, employment here in Spain to increase uh, and go uh, for the Spanish Air Force. Uh, for uh, for the Eurofighter, for Alcon first, and hopefully for the rest of the F-18 in the future as well.
2: Great. Well, thanks so much, Raoul, for your time. And it was a great uh, presentation. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Anna.
1: For our listeners, if you'd like to know more about the topics discussed today and all the rest of the news from the Air Domain, please visit the Key Aero website. And But for now, thanks very much for tuning in. Catch you next time. Thank you. This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember,
0: visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by,
1: and we hope to catch up with you again soon.